we are back for another crazy ass week. Yes, we are. Welcome to Megashin, y'all. Yes, welcome. It's been a crazy week on the geek verse and everything else. But anyway, we'll get it. It really has. It has. It has. How are you doing, Nick? <laughs> I am hanging in there. Uh, not much is going on over here. It is finally starting to warm up. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm feeling okay, you know. Finally saw uh, the doctor about my knee, so it's not as bad as I thought it was because I was crying and lamenting that I was going to have surgery and that I was never going to run again. You know, mm-hmm. being the doing the most. Mm-hmm. Being dramatic about it. Okay, Betty Davis. To, right, I was doing my best impression of Betty Davis. <laughs> so anyway, I went to the doctor. He was like, uh, girl, you just got like some swelling. Let me take these anti-inflammatories. Let me get this x-ray and send you on your merry go way. <laughs> so I was like, okay, good. So in about like a few weeks or so, you know, I'm a I haven't been running since like August. Mm -hmm. So after I finished all these inflammatories, you know, little by little, increase some kind of, you know, walking to running and then finally running. But Mm -hmm. I'm satisfied with the the overall outcome. Okay. Well, um, this week has been funny. I've, um, I kind of mentioned this before, but I'm kind of talking to someone and he is... Um, he spends time here in the U.S. and spends time in um, Canada. Some of y'all may have seen some pictures of him that I put up on Facebook. We went skating. Just uh, if, you, if you remember, I put skating pictures up. Some people remember that. Um, well, I, I didn't realize that when he visited, he had, you know, it's always somebody that somebody used to date and, you know, it didn't work out. So apparently this person is mad because I, apparently I'm the new person and so they little... A little, you know, a little jealous, and I found out they've been spreading rumors that I'm a whore. I'm like, oh my god, we in high school all over again. He's a new girl in town. I know. <laughs> tell me like, like, well, I heard that he was a whore. I said you did. So I had a friend of mine. T- friend of mine told me about it. They said he's talking about you, and I was like, oh really? So we went. I saw it on there in Facebook, and I kind of said some stuff like. I said, oh, I didn't know I was a whore. I said, oh, okay. Well, I, thank you for letting me know. I'll, I'll, I'll tell myself next time about it. And he was right. like, well, I just want to say that I feel like before, I was like, it's not that deep. It's really not that deep. You're too old to be fighting over somebody you didn't have. But, you know. It fighting is, over somebody you didn't have. Now, that was a read. <laughs> that was a read. <laughs> I, I guess it was. But I wasn't trying to be too rude. I'm like, Really? Because what happened was, they were they talked a little bit, um, mm-hmm. you know, hung out, but, you know, David, that's the guy I'm talking to, didn't really fit, see it, so he kind of, you know, kind of said, okay, well, we can be friends or whatever. Then, you know, while he was here and we met, the guy kept texting him, like, hey, where are you? I'm going to be here. And he said, well, I'm going to be over here. He kept saying, well, I'm going to be over here. I'm going to be doing this. And so the guy was like, oh, I guess you're, you know, I guess you're so busy. And then he saw the Facebook pictures. He was like, mm, well, I heard that he was a whore. I'm like, oh, you have? I ain't heard of you. I'm like, I'm glad to know that, that my, that, you know, the information about me is out there in public. I need to go, you know, I need to go Google me to see if I'm charging the right prices or, you know, what whole street I'm working at. I need to know all these things because apparently if I'm, you know, whatever. 
But, you know, it is what it is. I kind of like it. You know, I kind of like this little envy. I was like, that's sad that your life is all about trying to call me out. But that's it, basically. Um, just getting through the week, and we have rain. <laughs> we, we've had great sunny days, and all of a sudden we have rain today. So it is what it is in California. Well, you know, it never rains in Southern California. But it does. <laughs> <laughs> Tony, 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 they said that lie. It is a big lie. But let's see, we got some big stuff to get into because we have a whole interesting, packed episode today. Because um, yes, we, we not only are we talking about some good stuff in um, Aunt May's Tea, but we got some good old nasty stuff to talk about. <laughs> I can't some grown folks. Some grown so, folks. Yeah. yeah, some good old stuff. Um, and um, y'all, have to, y'all have to stay in tune for that because it's going to be very interesting. But let's get into Aunt May's tea because people have been showing out, and I think we're gonna start with the big one. Let's should we start with the big one or should we? Oh, you end with the big one. Let's okay, let's, let's stay with the big one. So let's go with the one that just that, that came over the weekend. It's not really geeky, but it has something to do with people of color, and that's the ATL orgy. <laughs> we I. I thought we should talk about this because it was very interesting and it's kind of timely to what we're going to be talking about later. But it was very interesting to see how people reacted to it. So basically the story is, um, I think her name was Candy or what was her name? Candy Cindy G- Green. Cindy, Cindy Green. She was turning 27. She was going to have a swingers party and it was somewhat labeled as the um, orgy party or LT. L- the ATL party or LTA, I can't even say it, orgy. And so, you know, it made headways on the internets and everybody was talking about it and everything else. And then there were prices to it. So I guess it was like prices for women, couples, and single men. The single men prices were $175. Uh, and so, you know, people paid their money. Some people flew from New York and LA to this party. Which I was like, number one, you live in L.A., you don't really need to go, you don't need, we, we have tons of these parties here. So I'm like, why are you going all the way there? So you must have been cheating. But anyway, apparently she did not show up. None of the people who organized the party show up. It was more men there than women. And most of the men were sitting there playing <laughs> dice and eating chicken wings. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. So we're not trying to shame anybody who Mm-mm. does swinger parties, Mm-mm. you know, orgies, whatever. No. You know, if you're an adult and doing other things with consenting adults, then that's your business yes. and that's your right. Yes. My thing is, why does she feel the need to advertise this on social media? Especially when it came over to black Twitter. Because you know they was going to fly those jokes off. Number one. Yes. Okay, number two, she's honest. She's low-key a G for taking these folks' money <laughs> and then, like, not showing up. <laughs> like, that's a, a Joanne the Scammer yeah. type bullshit right there. Also, is anybody doing any uh, STD uh, check-in or testing at the door, mm. are you gonna supposed to show your results so you can have admittance to the mm-hmm. door, the, uh, this party? Mm. And not to mention, like, eight, Atlanta has 
some of the highest uh, HIV STD rates, some of them like rival third world countries. So let's not sit here and play like, you know, STDs and HIV rates are non-existent in Atlanta. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it, it was interesting because when I when I was reading through it and everything else, I did have some issue with how people were responding because it did come off like some people were being kind of childish about it and it, it kind of plays on the whole stereotype of how we are so taboo about how we a very we feel very taboo about sex as a as a community and I feel like as black people we need to understand that we do have sex and we are very sexual people. There's nothing wrong with people, you know, going to these type of events. You know, and that's why we're not bashing it. We're not bashing in the sense of that because this happens all the time. But I think that you bring up a good point that um, knowing where Atlanta had these issues, I was I was hoping to hear that she said that they did order condoms and everything else there. Now, this is why I was like, this is truly not a gay event because gay when gays throw these things, let me break it down. When gays throw these things, it's not put on Twitter. It's usually stuff that you would get from Grinder, Growler, Scruff and Muff. They will message you and tell you what the party's going on. Or somebody will Back tell door. you. Yeah, they'll tell you what's going on. Mm-hmm. Or you'll get a text or something. This is not put in public. Two, the price that she was charging was way too much. Because I'm like, girl. She was charging hotel rates. That's what I'm Let's saying. And, and I'm like, I'm sitting there like, shoot. I said, in L.A., let it be told that there are at least three or four of these on the weekend so <laughs> for gay men, and it's usually $20 a person. So I was in there thinking, right. why would I sit up here and go to that when I can go to one that's $20 a person? And they do have STI checks there. There are places where you go where it's like when you walk in, they give you they give you the materials, and then they also have somebody mm-hmm. on the side that say, if you want to go and you know check yourself out before you get started, go right over here. And everything else, they have the ones that you can find out very quickly, and then you know they have all that right. set up right there. So I feel like that we know how to do this because we've been doing stuff like this for a while. So we have it all set up, a good space for you, usually good choices that you come because also they they have you sometimes send a picture to make sure they that they have what they want you you know they want to be there. They they have an image they want to upkeep and they want to have certain types. So yeah, right. you know they will you know have that part set up. Um, but again, I was like, laughing at the prices because I was like. $175 versus 20 Now, I don't mean no harm, but if you told me that was 175 I would be like, well, <laughs> I'll try my luck waiting on some, that one person on Grinder before I turn around and pay right. $175. And then turn around and know that you can pay $20 and get the same thing. $20. Or you can just sit at home and get it for free. Well, that, yeah, that's what I'm saying. To be completely honest, and like I'm not paying $175 to get my rocks off. That's <laughs> no, that's crazy though. I no. could have went on a shopping spree for that much. You could have, and all, or you could have sit up there and get on your own little apps and be like, okay, let me find two or three people who will be interested, and sit at home like you said for free. You could invite them over to your place. Right, and then y'all can braid each other's hair afterwards. Yeah, y'all can do all that stuff. Have some chips, have some wings afterwards, and and all that was what free 99 so that's why i'm sitting here thinking like okay she took y'all money but y'all was stupid enough to pay for that like that that means y'all didn't know how to do this this is y'all first time doing stuff like this because people who know the deal know that you don't that's too much money it don't have to be that complicated and you can easily find one everywhere else but i'm kind of surprised that that's 
that that was the only game going on in Atlanta, though. I feel like in Atlanta, there should be more than that. Maybe it is for the gay community, and we're, we're only talking more about that. But I thought it would be more. Because in, here in Los Angeles, there are swinger parties. There are party parties. There are pool parties. Some of it's free. Sometimes they ask you a donation of $10. Why I know all this, I just know. Um, <laughs> Everybody mind your manners. <laughs> um, no, I know because I have friends. That I've been, I've, I've been to you know some stuff. I've seen it. Um, didn't participate. I just saw and try not to laugh. But um, <laughs> there was I'm not gonna talk about it. But there was one where there was a pool party, and I went and my friend was there, and I didn't know what they were doing upstairs, and I found out the hard way. And then I was like, okay. But then I stayed and watched because it was almost comedic, almost. And then when someone hollered out their knees, I was done. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> I was done. But anyway, I'm just saying that this party was poorly organized. And if people were super smart, they would have been asking questions from the gate. Um, but, you know, if y'all going to do this, do it right. You know, I'm giving you the tips. Do it right. Find a good spot. Make sure y'all know what you're doing. Make sure you got, you know, people who can do the testing at the place. Don't charge so much. If you're good at it and know how to get people there, you can charge $20 and still make a good amount of money. They do it all the time here in Los Angeles. So this was a also, mess. Also, they had, they had a, um, when I saw on Twitter, they were almost shaming her mm-hmm. for being, you know, mm-hmm. in tune with her sexuality mm-hmm. and to what she want, like, they were saying, oh, she's a whore, she's this, she's that. But if it was a man throwing some kind of party like this, then he would be, oh, he's a player, oh, he's got all these women, yada, yada, yada. You know, mm-hmm. it's that typical, oh, if a woman is in tune with her sexuality, then she's a slut. But if a man is has multiple partners and... It is not in a committed relationship, or is in an open is not in an open relationship. Then he's viewed as somebody else. You know yeah. that same old thing that has been here since the test of time. And it's really ridiculous because I'm sitting here going like, and there was a lot of men too. I look at the tweets Saturday night. It was a lot of men, and I was like, you know what, y'all? This is why y'all can't get over. Because y'all saying the stupid stuff. She is free to do what she wants to do. There are a lot of women who are sexually free. A lot of women that are my friends are very sexually free. I, I learned everything from them almost. So I'm just saying that, you know, and you know, and that's okay. And if they want to have these parties, they want to have multiple partners or whatever. So what? That doesn't make them any less than you. If you think you're the king, if you sit around sleeping with four or five at once, I mean, right. most of you are doing that. So if she wants to do the same thing, so be it. So, please, I, I just thought that after looking at everything, it was very telling how novice we are about sexuality, but also how immature we are, too, at the same time. So, it was kind of disappointing to see. Um, but hopefully, right. there will be some education about black sexuality because I feel like that we need to be comfortable. Haven't y'all read enough Zane books? I mean, I feel like this, y'all, I mean, to understand that, I mean, Zane talks about, I mean, if people know who Zane is, she's the author of a lot of black erotica. And I feel like that's something that we're still not comfortable with. And I'm like, we need to uh-huh. get over that, you know, right. and, and realize that having, you know, celebration of, of sexuality within our culture is great. And if people want to have an orgy, let them have it. And if she wants to get her holes pl- uh, plugged by two different dicks, y'all let her be. Yeah. 
You probably wanted to, so oh, that's probably why y'all was mad. So I'm just saying that. Right. Don't be mad. Get in. <laughs> and apparently a fight broke out. Oh my god. There too. I was like, y'all, y'all niggas, really? Who? who <laughs> fight? Why? Why? That's just big. That's just blackness right there. Why y'all can't be fighting? I ain't never heard of that. <laughs> no, it's it's my turn. No, nigga, you cut line. Like, really? Okay. Who, who is fighting an orgy? Us. <laughs> of course. And then, you know, it all it takes is some random ass nigga to bring a gun and then two, th- three folks are dead. Oh, Lord. Over, over some foolishness. Over some pussy. And some dick. Or both. Right. <laughs> Oh my goodness! Oh, and I also felt bad because there were trans people who went and they made them leave. I'm like, oh my god! Of course they did. They're I'm like, oh. transphobic, homophobic bastards. Like, stop! This is ridiculous. But anyway, like we said, free sex for everybody. Have fun with it. Be safe with it. Don't judge. Free your mind. Yeah. Free your mind. Don't judge it. All right. Now jumping into some geeky stuff, kind of, is Ben Affleck. So, the news came out last week that he um, just finished a stint in rehab. You know, It literally his... came out last Tuesday, didn't it? Yeah, right after we, just after we said, as soon as we are done. Um, but, yeah, it came out, um, and, you know, he looks really good now. I mean, he, he did it for his kids. He said he wanted to do it so his kids can see, I, I guess I want to kind of, what did he say? Basically, he did it because he wanted his kids to see there's no shame in getting help when you need it and to be a source of strength for anyone out there who needs it but afraid to ask for the first step. I mean, that's what he did it for his family. Um, and I think that probably was helpful for him because I think he was dealing with a lot of issues, especially with how Batman Superman. And some people are saying they think because of how that movie went down and everything with the Batman movie, I think that was something that has probably, you know, maybe, maybe, I mean, again, this is just rumors, but I can see how it could probably trigger it, you know, because there's a lot of pressure and money and mess. And right. Well, his other movie, um, I forget the, the name is slipping me, it lost like $75 million for Warner Brothers, mm-hmm. so, and plus he's probably predisposed to alcoholism. Mm-hmm. I know that in my family, I am as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, this is... I'm glad that he's getting, he got the help that he needed, and he should just take some time off, like, get away, take his kids, and go on a vacation somewhere. Yeah. Just take some time off, and, you know, we, I mean, he's, he's a very, he's very good at his job. I mean, he's a great actor, he's a very good director, you know, hopefully he'll get the help that he needs to stay back on track, and, I mean... I like that he actually went on Facebook and told people, like, you know, wasn't trying to keep it a secret. This is a, right. it was a Facebook post for, you know, that he put out there. So kudos for him for really keeping it real out there. Right. We love you, Ben Affleck. Yeah, we do. We do. Let's see. Now, you had something that I was sitting there like, oh my goodness, about the Power Rangers. Yes. So the Power Rangers movie comes out this Friday. Uh, April, March the 24th, and apparently the Yellow Ranger will be queer. Hmm. So she, uh, in the articles that I read, she is struggling with her sexuality, and it's going to be the first time that there's a queer superhero on the big screen, Hmm. Uh, which I think is very good. 
even mm-hmm. uh, the original Power Ranger, David Yost, who actually is gay yes. in real life, he applauded the movie's efforts and highlighting queer superheroes. And mm-hmm. I think this is a really good news. And hopefully they can build up on this. I hope so, too, and I hope it's not like how, you know, Star Wars, not Star Wars, Star Trek did it, where it was like, oh, our character is gay, Sulu is gay, but kind of didn't really showcase affection towards his husband, so I hope that this is actually getting into a little bit of that story to where we have somebody that we can, like, okay, she is talking about it, doing something about it, not just, oh, I might, you know, have that ambiguous feel to it. I think it's really good, and we see that it, won't hurt the movie because they thought that, you know, haters were all big about the Beauty and the Beast and that guy being gay in it, and it didn't hurt that movie at all. <laughs> so listen, it dominated the box office this past weekend. I know. So this this won't hurt. I don't think it will hurt, um, Power Rangers. And I, you know, I'm glad that it is. I I wish that they would go a little bit further in this. Um, some because some people were talking about it would be nice. It's easier for a woman to be. A lesbian versus a male, and I was like, I wonder. I said, Yes. I, I kind of agree with that. True. I think it's easier for that transition. So, I kind of wish it was one of the male characters, um, because we don't really see that very often. Um, we do see queer women more in a leadership role, you know. But I think it'd be nice if we could see um, a male, you know, like a gay male or a queer male or a trans male um, mm-hmm. in this. Yeah, I'm definitely excited about the movie, mm-hmm. uh, even when it was initially announced. Um, so I will be going to see Power Rangers and getting my, my childhood back again. Yes. But speaking of childhood and we'll be getting that back is the news coming from Ryan Murphy's desk. So Ryan Murphy, who has been... You know, off and on when it comes to giving us some good TV. Like, you know, sometimes it's good, sometimes sometimes it's a a lot. (laughs) Um, Feud has been okay. I've caught a few feuds. Um, But um, his his next project is called Pose. Now, Pose is going to be a period piece set in the mid-1980s in New York City. And it's going to hit on different segments of that life like the high life of the luxury Trump era. Um, Basically the yuppies. Yeah, the yuppies, the downtown social area, the literary scene, and the ball culture. Okay. I don't... I'll be. I'll keep it real. I don't like to have white males tell our story. We saw what happened with Stonewall. I don't... And he tried to erase that and say that it was mostly white. Um, I struggle with Ryan Murphy because I feel like he has an interesting way of portraying women of color on television. Um, and I'm struggling with him trying to even attempt to give us an introduction to the bail, I mean, the ball culture in this. Uh Ryan Murphy, like you said, is so hit and miss sometimes, mm-hmm. especially like with American Horror Story. It'll start off so great, and mm-hmm. then midway through, you're like, what the fuck is going on? Yeah. Um, I don't have high hopes for this. I know it's slated to premiere in 2018. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't, no casting news has come out, but reports are saying that all of them, the main people are going to be newbies, so 
I don't see how he's gonna get this right. I mean, it's I don't know if he has even seen the balls. So I, I'm very hesitant on saying, "Oh yes, this is a green light. Hit it." Mm-hmm. Now, let's say he's producing it. Like, you know, he he produced American Crime Story and there were other people involved with it. Now, if he decides to produce this and then maybe get some writers, maybe queer writers of color who can get, really get into that story, I will, I will get into it. But it's hard for me because, again, I just, I'm struggling a lot with a lot of the white male, white gay males trying to tell a story about our, about our lives, our history, and somewhat forgetting who our role in it who started it yeah Yeah, or like trying to diminish it and i just struggle with that again we we saw that with stonewall we saw a little bit of that when we rise um and even though there were some people of color who worked on that it just felt a little bit more diminishing than i expected it would be and pose i'm just yes we're talking way in the future but i it i it, it just i have an uneasiness about it right and even during that time when ball culture was still under heavy underground mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden a lot a uh, a lot of high fashion a designer started taking notice at it and it kind of just took it from its origins and its its root i mean you saw it with madonna's vogue how it introduced voguing to the public and a lot of people think that because madonna she started uh, balls and voguing. Yeah, and that's true because I remember how hard I was to know that some people would tell me, would tell me that no, it's because she started it. She did start the ball culture. I'm like, no, that's been going on way before she even put her hands in and stole it. <laughs> it was more of uh-huh. they've been doing that before her and they were doing it after her. So it's just, it's not, it's really sad that that's how it came to be. And I feel like that I don't know if Ryan can tell that story well without it coming off too cheesy because I don't want some white person all of a sudden showing up like I want to be in a ball culture too because I got kicked out of the house and then they are the star ball dancer and their name is, right. is white chocolate you know? <laughs> like it's going to be some damn boogie nights <laughs> bullshit it's going to be like star right. oh lord <laughs> isn't uh What's his name? Oh, girl, Lee Daniels. Wasn't he trying to do like a remake of yeah, Paris is yeah, Burning or yeah. something like and that? I was like, no to you, too. No. No. Shit, I would take Ryan Murphy over Lee, <laughs> to be completely honest. Yeah, it's at a point where I feel like if you're going to do something like that, I almost want somebody new. You know, almost somebody mm-hmm. new to the game. Because, you know, like you think about Jordan Peele, how we were surprised by how Get Out came out. I would like somebody else to take it on um, just because I feel like these people have a lot of baggage that, and trust issues <laughs> where it's like I can't I can't get into it knowing you behind it. That's like saying if right. Tyler Perry wanted to do it and I'm like well, then hell no it's not going to even happen. We'll burn down Bitch. the studio. <laughs> the hell. It will not happen. But you know what Ryan like I said you're hit or miss. You could surprise us all. I mean sometimes you do surprises like American Crime Story surprised us. It did, but you didn't have any. But you wasn't like in it like you are with other stuff. Um, so you know he has um, the next one is about Hurricane Katrina with American Crime Story. It's supposed to be about um, season two is Hurricane Katrina. Season three is about Versace's murder. 
So he, Ooh, he's doing is the it most. Versace's murder. Okay. Mm-hmm. I can get into that, but I, I don't know about this ball culture stuff right now. Right. I don't know. Honestly, I don't know about the Hurricane Katrina either, but. <laughs> I don't, yeah. I, because I think the, the main person that was named as lead is a white person. So I can't. Okay. <laughs> I just like. All right. I don't know. I'm just not ready for this. So, you know, just y'all just need to leave that stuff alone. Let let somebody who was in the ball culture talk, do it. Like, let them be like, I'm going to go direct it. But good, because she was actually there. Well, so. I don't and they know. have to talk to the houses. They have to talk to the house of uh, La Beja, uh, Extravaganza, you know, mm-hmm. Pandavas, you know, all the, le- the legendary houses yeah. they have to talk to. Mm-hmm. It's just hard for me to articulate any positivity about this right now. I just, I, oh, we just have to wait and see. We just have to wait and see. Right. Oh my goodness, what else? Oh, and then speaking of that, um, RuPaul will have a show about his life. I don't know if you knew about that, uh, but I saw that and I was like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I saw, like I can't get interested. Yeah. Because I feel like I listen to RuPaul's podcast with uh, him and uh, Michelle Visage, mm-hmm. M- Michelle Visage, and throughout listening to that, I feel like I know his life already. Yeah. So, would I really want to? Would I really be interested in a, a biopic about RuPaul? I don't know. I think they're trying to go the route as what they did for Dan Savage for his TV show. Which is not really, like, a hit. So I'm like, I don't know if we... I don't know. You know, RuPaul had a different type of life. You know, he grew up, you know, doing all the things, you know, the wild kids were doing back in those days. So it could be interesting how they would twist and turn it. It's J.J. Abrams, so to me, that's, like, a whole different take. Because he's not known for that. (laughs) So who knows? Because it is somebody who's not so into or a part of our world, per se, it could have a different effect. So I, I was still shocked to know that J.J. Abrams was interested in doing a kind of a period um, series about RuPaul. I just, that just kind of took me way off. off. Huh. That is weird. Yeah. All right, but so here's our, our big, our big, the big way we're going to end. <laughs> uh, oh, wait, before we end, oh, okay. before we get to that, we got one more before the big finale. Okay. Uh, so YouTube. Oh, I forgot about that. Yes. YouTube. Yeah, YouTube was pulling some tomfoolery this past week uh, and censoring LGBTQ videos. So a lot of people that post videos <laughs> such as, you know, coming out mm-hmm. or dealing with sexuality, you know, things of that nature, they were having their um, their videos restricted or taken off but you search for say uh some kind of porn parody or whatever what have you it would have come up in the search search engine Mm -hmm. so uh youtube said that they define their restricted mode as to screen out potentially objectable content that may prefer to prefer not to be seen or don't want others in your family to be seen on YouTube. Mm -hmm. So basically after this whole uproar of all these videos being censored, YouTube kind of changed their classification as on their restrictions. And some of the 
LGBT themed videos are now viewable through a regular search, but not all of them. Yeah. And a lot of people, you know, especially the younger generation, if they're coming to terms with their sexuality, they can't turn to their their parents or their friends about what they're going through. So they look to these videos, mm-hmm. you know, to get some kind of assistance, get some kind of leadway as to what the hell is going on with them. So it was kind of like a shitty, a shitty way that YouTube kind of slapped them in the face, mm-hmm. especially when they claim they claim to be uh queer friendly yeah and you know a lot of um queer bloggers have really made headlines on youtube you know and and youtube has been like i think about um it gets better campaign really soared on youtube so when i was looking at this the story i was like wow this is a lot and even their apology was like not really convincing because you know they were uh-huh. you know it was about they were trying to explain, you know, the, the intention of restrictive mode. Um, and it's supposed to, you know, filter out mature content. Well, then the mature content, I know what they're talking about. They're talking about how sometimes the porn companies would do the restricted versions of their trailers. And I'm like, I get that. Well, then you go after them, but you don't go after everybody else. Um, and you, And I feel like they need to be very careful because some people they were restricting were just people wasn't really talking about much <laughs> like they wasn't talking about anything uh-huh. that was in that that deep to really restrict them so they are still looking into it according to you know their statement and I hope they saw this quick because what will happen is some company Vimo somebody will get smart and be like well y'all just come over here and do right. it you know y'all just come over here and do it and we don't do all that and YouTube, I mean, they they already in some fire because of that Dewey Pie, whatever his name is. So, Dewey Pie or P Diddy, whatever. Yeah, P Diddy. Yeah, not P Diddy. <laughs> <laughs> whatever his name is. But um, I just feel like they need to get it together because this was kind of disheartening. Because you're right, people, a lot of these young folks go on YouTube to get you know tips. And to be honest with you, some of these videos are 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 good with that. Like think about it. If you are a young queer person. And you're trying to figure out, like, what uh, what do I say to my parents? How do I tell my friends? Um, I'm, I'm about to, you know, bottom. What does that look like? There are videos that explain how to do all that. You know what I'm saying? And I'm like, well, I would have loved to have that when I was young. Because, you know, right. just to know what I need to prepare for. You know, and again, like I said, there are videos about how to, you know, go on a date. You know, how to, again, how do you bottom? How do you top? All that stuff is helpful. How, to, how do you put on a condom? Yeah, all that stuff is, you know, how to protect yourself when you're having um, sex with, you know, if it's, if it's lesbian sex. Or how to, you know, have sex if it's with a trans person. That is all there, and it's all educational stuff because it's coming from the people who actually are doing it, you know. So it's like, well, don't restrict that. Let that be available for for the youth. And some people might, you know, people who are older and are who are from their 30s and stuff. Some don't know and they need to know these things so keep that stuff right. on there stop playing right. youtube yeah they need to change their algorithm quickly yeah <laughs> all right now so, yes let's now get into this yeah, so iron fist iron fist iron fist iron fist so <laughs> it came out the series came out um now i watched it i watched them all 
Um, hmm. <laughs> I, I said it was okay. This is why I'm saying it's okay. It's okay. The first, I, I watched the first two way ahead of time. Um, and it was okay. There was some story pieces that could have been fixed a little bit more. I felt like there's a little bit of the of the family the Meachams a little bit much, but I get it because we need to understand what the what we're doing when it comes to the family. Um, Danny was doing the most only, be, but then I understood it because I'm like he's from a different place. He hasn't been here in 15 years, so he's gonna be naive and he's coming from a place which is interesting because there they were teaching him the harsh discipline or giving him harsh discipline there. So for him to be kind of you know. You know, Pollyanna-ish was interesting. Um, I'm not going to really go through all... I'm not going to, like, really reveal the show, but I found it okay. Okay. It was okay. Wasn't as horrible as many of the people's... Like, it got to a point where some of these reviews... I'm going to say this, and it's going to sound horrible, but I don't care. I felt like... You know when you... You wasn't... You were never popular... But you want to be an in-crowd. So what do you do? You do everything the in-crowd does, so they let you in. And I feel like some of these critics was kind of playing that role. I think I said they were like the firm mayo trying to be Violet. And if those, if you watch, uh, if anybody has watched them, Jawbreaker, um, I feel like some people were just doing the most so they can get into the in-crowd so they can seem cool. Because I was, like, thinking a lot of y'all judging this. And then some of y'all would reveal that I only watched a handful or watched pieces. I didn't watch the whole thing. But you had a lot of judgment to it. And that also hurt your credibility. So I'm like, well, if you didn't watch it all, I can't, I can't, you can't really tell me stuff from a handful of clips you saw. I'm sorry. But it just felt like people were on this bandwagon. And I think sometimes when you get on that bandwagon, you cause some retaliation to that, you know? So I feel like some people were like, I'm gonna watch it just because to see what it is. And I watched it and I was like, it wasn't really that bad. So I disagree with most critics. Do I think it was great? Hell no. It was a it was a C plus minus for me. Um, but Colleen Wing was great. Um, she was good. I would like to see more of her. Um, I want to address the issue with Danny's physique because people kept saying he's too skinny, he looks like this. And I was thinking, you have to remember, he's coming from a, a magical place. They're teaching everybody how to be whatever. And I don't think the size of the person has anything to do with it. Now, if you read some of the comics, there are characters with different sizes. There are women. There are different types of people who have been Iron Fist. One of the main characters, or not main characters, but one of the people who have fought Iron Fist at one point was Fat Cobra. He is a big, huge man. And he moves faster than Iron Fist. So that's I don't want to get into this whole, well, he wasn't built enough, because I don't, I don't think that's the point. The point is, if you're coming from this magical place, you're going to be some, you will have the gifts. You don't have to be... I mean, hell, y'all play Street Fighter. I mean, none of them were all super built. Some of them were all different shapes, sizes. Some of them even human, for God's sake. <laughs> I just feel like that. Let's not get caught up in that. But I did feel like the show suffered from some issues. And hopefully, if it, if it, if you know, they get another chance, which I don't think they need a second season of this, they will get better. Um, but it wasn't bad. I wasn't like feeling gross, and I wasn't like, oh. Um, but I will say that some of the recent things that have come out about it is not helping it. The found, the people, the man who created it, <laughs> just really screwed up today. Talk about some Orientals. 
Uh, right, like he was talking about somebody's rug. Like, how dare you? Yes, and I, I am. His name is slipping my mind right now. I think it's like Roy, Rob, or whatever his name is. But he created Iron Fist, and he was not really happy about how people are doing it. But I'm also seeing how the media is kind of twisting things around a little bit, um, because now they're kind of focusing on, you know, articles like one big main article is from um, Entertainment Weekly, and they talk about how the whitewashing of it. And it's not really whitewashing of it. Um, it's more of a, a cultural appropriation. So I was like, yeah, but now you got to twist it. Um, and it's, you know, it's, it's not, it's not being taken seriously as it should be. Roy Thomas is the man who created it. And he, he said this, I think some people have too much time on their hands. Wait. Yeah. And, they have an infinite capacity of righteous indignation. By and large, tend to be misplaced, often um, coming upset over things or just stories. And if you don't like it, instead of trying to change everybody else's story, go out and make up your own stories and do a good job at it. You know, I hate when people say that, oh, if you don't like it, go out and make your own. Because where is, you know, women's... Well, where's women's access to making their own stories and getting it picked up mm-hmm. and... A pilot. Where's the people of color's access to get their stories picked up and pilots? You know, where's mm-hmm. the queer, the trans? You know, don't yeah. give me that. Oh, you should just go make your own. Because are you going to give me the seed money to make my own? <laughs> are you going to, you know, do all of this, the production yeah. money to make my own? Because yeah. that's such a bullshit ass, lazy ass yeah. excuse. But see, but he wasn't done though, because he also said this. He said. <laughs> Um, it's just an adventure story. Don't people have something better else to do than to worry about the fact that Iron Fist isn't Oriental? Or wherever the word. I know Oriental isn't the right word either. Now, either. I was okay, like, okay. Stop, stop right there. <laughs> you said, don't other people have something better to do? You're right. I do have something better to do, which is why I did not watch Iron Fist, because I did have something better to do. So... You and your basically is a racist ass word that to be describing yeah. a group of people. Like how old are we? Which old <laughs> ass? What is he like? I know he's like sixty. Yeah, at just, least. Yeah, because he was. He yeah. He's he's around. I'm Stan Lee's age. And Stan Lee knows better. Yeah, which is why he ain't saying. <laughs> if you know Stan Lee ain't saying much. Um, but I, I do find it interesting with that. Um, and I, you know, some of the things have not helped the show, but what I also want to say is, you know, y'all, some of y'all are doing the most on Twitter with this. We know that a lot of y'all don't like it, but for y'all to spend so much time talking about how you don't like it is a lot. Now you're, you have the right to do what you want to do and that's great. But someone did break it down and talked about, for example, one person has tweeted, I think it was 274 times how much they hated Iron Fist. That's within two, in, within two weeks. So that means this person is doing an average of 10 or more tweets a day. <laughs> or more, has to, you know, seven days, you know, 14 days. They're doing more than 10 a week, almost, whatever, talking about this. And I'm like, we get it. We we were not happy with this. We was not happy that Lewis didn't get the role. Was not happy the way things are going. But some of y'all are spending a lot of time. Some of y'all are treating this like the X 
that that gave it to you good but left you for somebody else and you haven't gotten over it. I think in some ways, let it go. We Yes, we have made our point. But for y'all to spend so much time tweeting over it, over and over, over again, it's just a lot. I mean, y'all can come at me with that if you feel like it. I mean, I, I hate things, but I don't, I can't. It gets to a point now that I don't even want to open my timeline because some of y'all have not let it go. It's funny. You can see it. Some people are like, okay, well, I saw it. I don't like it. Whatever. I'm gone. But some of y'all still, some of y'all still have these 20 tweet threads. I'm just like, okay, that's enough. I will watch Iron Fist when the hype dies down and when I absolutely have nothing else to watch. Yeah. Right now, I don't feel a need to watch it because it feels like everybody has watched it and given their <laughs> like I I just feel like I just don't have a need to watch it now <laughs> and I've been reading like uh he didn't Danny did a interview I think with someone talking about the fight sequences <laughs> and how he only had like 15 minutes to do a fight sequence yeah. I'm like these motherfuckers let him out to try I, like yeah. I don't know any stunt coordinator that's gonna let their main character do like a warm up mm-hmm. and then basically is okay hit that hit that eight count like what like that doesn't even make sense to me yeah so you know I I want to put all things Iron Fist and rice everything including our tweets everything just put it in rice. That almost sounds a little racist, but <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh my god, it does. Oh my god, that's not the intent. Put it in. I'm sending, as I said on Twitter, I'm putting it to another dimension because I feel like we have kind of smeared. Like I think I just feel like oh my, it's an aftertaste of it. Like it's it's a lot right now, and I feel like I can't. I gotta move on because we have other things that's gonna be happening. And you know what? I may take all this back because I may be that person doing the 40 tweet thread when Wonder Woman comes out because that's a character I do care about. Um, And so I may be that person, but I would check myself. I probably would be like, if I'm gonna be upset about it, I'm gonna only do it to five five tweets and then I'll take it to a blog. But I'm not gonna sit here and do and do, some of y'all are doing the most. Y'all need to count your tweets because I'm like, oh my god, I'll say I did not like Wonder Woman. Here's why. All right, and I'll just leave it at that. I'm like, I don't need to do it anymore. But yeah, you know, I I want to put all I want I want to put this in a box and put it away because I I'm kind of done with Iron Fist. I am done with Iron Fist. When I watch it, I'll only be watching for Lewis Tan. That's I've said that before, well, and that's a still. Well, then you just need to watch one episode. <laughs> that's what I feel like. Episode eight, I yeah, think, of Rebecca Theodore, Film Fatale, NYC on yeah. Twitter. She said, uh, um, "Episode eight at about the forty-two minute mark, or something like that." I was yeah. like, "Well, shit, ain't that the end of the episode?" <laughs> But it was good, though. He was good at it, and I appreciated it. I I think we may see more of him if they continue on with seasons, Um, which, you know, I hope they kind of do in the sense of, you know, explaining who he is. Maybe he can come into the Defenders. Maybe he can pop into... He can pop into Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Who knows? Um, I like to see... Or he could... His stuff is mystic, so he could pop into um, Doctor Strange. So, you know... That's just, you know, I hope for the best for Lewis. 
Um, and I hope for the best for the woman who plays Colleen Wing and her name. Oh, why is her name falling for me? Um, but she was, as I said before, she was very good. And I, Jessica Henwick, um, she was very good. So those, they were the saving grace of the show. Um, Finn, who plays um, Iron Fist, is not that bad either. It's, I mean, he's, he's that hair though, and he just do something about that hair, but it wasn't as bad as people would think. But again, if I, his, his hair looks like uh, that one dude off that '70s show. Oh yeah, it um. does. <laughs> I can't remember his name, but yeah, you know who I'm talking about, yeah. right? But you know what? Like I said, it it wasn't as bad as people. It was not super great. It's a C plus for me. It wasn't as bad as everybody likes to say. Um, but you know, hopefully they are learning from their mistakes, because apparently, um, into the Badlands learned from their mistakes, because their first season was kind of busted. Oh my god! But they came back. Soup, they came back strong, and they also was trying to shade Iron Fist too. I noticed yeah. that. Oliver Stark, he plays, I think, Ryder on he's, Into yeah, the Badlands. He's cute well, he is fine. He is so, oh, yeah. Oliver is one of my my new Twitter base. Mm-hmm. Um, but <laughs> Into the Badlands, if you want to see some action, if you want to see some kick-ass female leads, especially the Widow, oh my gosh, you got to see uh, Into the Badlands because the stunt work, the fighting, you believe it. And so, yeah, I, I need to watch that because I was hearing so much about it. Um, and I do kind of want to just, again, kind of wash out a little bit of the Iron Fist. So um, we're done talking about Iron Fist. We won't, be, we won't talk about it again. We're just tired of it. Um, we'll talk about something else. But, yeah, I mean, again. Yeah, we can go, go back and talk about the ATL orgy. <laughs> well, yeah. But, you know, but hey, y'all, if y'all want to still talk about it on Twitter, y'all just do it. I'm just not going to really join in. I'm just going to look at look at it and be like, okay, and then look at, you know, everything else that's happening. Because, like I said, my main focus right now is Wonder Woman, and that's coming up quick. So we have to get ready for that. But I think we have really exhausted our tea session. Yes, we got to go clean these uh cups and put them back in the cupboard all right but when we come back we're gonna have a little bit we'll get some of that cheesecake out because we have some spicy stuff to talk about in our next segment so get ready hey i'm nick and i'm victor and this is megashane Megashine is a queer, people of color, weekly podcast, and we talk about anything from drag, to comics, to video games, to... Boys. And anything else in between. (laughs) So, if you want to listen to us, we're on iTunes, Stitcher, and SoundCloud, and you can follow us on Megashine Pod and Megashine on Twitter. That's right. So, follow us, talk to us, we'll be here. And we out. All right, everybody, we are back, and we have special guests today. So, Nikki, tell us about our special guests. Yes, we do. They go by uh, Black Pomegranate. I'd like to introduce you all to um, our listeners. Uh, you guys there? <laughs> yeah, we're here. I'm Mr. Here. Black. This is Miss Pomegranate. And you all uh, are Black Pomegranate. 
Yes. Uh, so could you tell us, uh, tell our listeners about yourselves? Well, um, we're based here in Baltimore, and uh, we're kink educators, we're sex educators, mm. we're um, slightly perverts. <laughs> <laughs> isn't everybody? I'm about to say, isn't everybody? <laughs> yes. You're not truly a pervert until you've been um, chained down to a table and had your chest stapled. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, that's, that's very true. That's, uh, I need to put that on my, my list to do. Um, okay. <laughs> so how did you all discover the kink community in, uh, in Baltimore? Um, well, we kind of got into it separately, actually. Um, like most people, like with most people, the gateway is kind of FetLife. You join FetLife, you start going to events, and um, I was in the kink community and kind of like feeling my way around. And Miss um, Pomegranate kind of entered separately, and she um, found her way around. And um, yeah, we. I think we we both sort of. Um, you know, you meet certain people, and some people you click with, and some people you don't. Um, a lot of times that's based on whatever your common kink or fetishes are, um, or wherever you go to events. And so, um, Mr. Black and I have struck up a conversation, and we had a lot of the similar same ideals. Um, unfortunately, we don't play a lot together because we're both dominants, um, so we actually don't do a lot of play together. But, um, you know, we sort of remained friends, and then in the end, we uh, decided that we were going to start a blog because we felt like there was a lack of education out there. Still feel like that that's the case, mm-hmm. and kind of went from there. So, for our listeners, there may be some who don't understand the terms "dom" and "sub." Could you explain that a little bit to our to our listeners? Well, um, yeah. Go ahead. Uh, well, uh, if you take the uh, acronym BDSM, and people say, "Well, are you into BDSM?" BDSM can stand for a couple of different things. The B is usually always bondage. The S can either be sadism or submission. Um, the D can be is usually dominance, and the M is most um, most often masochism. So you have people that fall on those different spectrums, but there are a lot of different ways that people are into kink or interested in kink or whatever. Mm-hmm. And um, and uh, what dominant or submissive means, a dominant is typically the person that kind of like not drives the scene, but that's the person that's actually doing something. The submissive is the person that's receiving something. So if you have a spanking scene, the dominant is going to be the person that's going to give the spanking. The submissive is going to be the person that's going to receive the spanking. Okay. It's pretty easy to understand. <laughs> And um, like the interchangeable term, like dom sub, people often will say like top or bottom. Like, um, are you going to top in a rope scene? You're going to top in an impact scene. That means you're going to be the one that's using the instruments that you're kind of dishing things out. The bottom is the person that's going to receive um, that sensation or receive that impact or who is going to be tied up or what have you. Awesome. So, why do you all think, uh, and I'll start with you, uh, Mrs. Pomegranate, why do you all think uh, the kink community has such a a negative view in the public eye? 
because I think it asks you to do things that um, sort of violate your taboos, like hitting a woman. You know, I mean, it's going to be if you're having a, a, an impact scene where you're hitting a, a, another person, or not even, yeah, just even hitting another person that definitely sort of breaks the, the taboos. Um, you're having sex outside of this sort of, I guess, image that you were taught, you know, between a man and a woman or, or whatnot um, in a bedroom. So that's another thing. Um, it certainly asks you to step outside of those roles of, of sex um, that maybe you've been taught. I think that, you know, definitely homosexuality was, was accepted in the king, uh, scene before, you know, it became more mainstream. So it just, it's a place for what, you know, you call alternate I guess alternate desires, but and it breaks those sort of um, taboos that, that we think we have in place. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's really neat. Um, and in some ways, how did how did y'all get involved with this? I think that you know, Mr. Black talked a little bit about us starting on on Fet Life, but it's always a sort of sense of wondering if if. If you're having consistently bad um, sexual encounters, or you are looking for something else, very often that'll lead to this path that that sort of leads to the kink scene. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the day before the internet, it was it was much much harder to to find that. You had to look at some um, very specific places to find it. Now it's it's a little bit easier, but you sort of go looking and. Um, and the internet sort of opens that up and then eventually you find your way to a place where like, where like people are. And in this sense, it's, it's fet life. And then you go to a place like, um, a playhouse where there's a dungeon. Mm-hmm. There's all kinds of people who are doing the same thing you are. Okay. For me, I kind of started out, I was fascinated and always liked bondage. And I'm a comic book geek, so I can remember like specific comic books that I would get where it had like an element of bondage in it. I always like gravitated and liked that and enjoyed it, but I didn't know why. I went through several years of my life, didn't explore, didn't really entertain any thoughts about that that was something that people could do. Then I, when I kind of got online, found out that there was like a community or there were people that actually did it in real life, I started to learn. And that was kind of my gateway to being um, a bondage rigger and learning how to tie people up. And that was kind of like where I started off as my, bondage started off as my main kink and I kind of branched out from all of those other, into other fields of kink from bondage. So that was kind of like my gateway into, um, you know, finally realizing some of the dreams and desires that I had for years. Mm. Do you all have any kinks that, or do you all think that some, there are kinks out there that are, are way too extreme or dangerous, or do you kind of, you know, whatever, I'll try it at least once type um, mindset? Um, personally, I'm open to trying a lot of different things, Mm -hmm. um, but I guess I kind of have, like, a certain standard when I perform different kinks or when I top for certain things. I have a certain standard, and I kind of have, like, a thing that I'll, like, sarcastically say that I don't do circus stunts, (laughs) and sometimes, um, 
sometimes like people will push boundaries with well okay if we can do this suspension then we can do one that's much more demanding or much more extreme or we can do this or we can do that and i try to always keep it in a realm of number one credibility and something that isn't within my skill set that i can perform safely that i can do safely and be risk aware and that i can execute it while mitigating risk because that's the thing about kink and people will often compare kink to like um sports um if you play a sport eventually you're going to get thumped and you're going to get injured a little bit or you're going to get bumped and bruised a little bit um kink has the same potential so personally what i try to do is always keep my kink in a realm where i'm not going over a boundary but i'm kind of keeping good control over what i'm doing so i can keep a scene as safe as possible and that's just my personal view of it and then there are of course there's certain taboo taboos but that's the thing about the kink world what you may say is a taboo to one person may be normal play for another person Right. Mm-hmm. So uh, let me ask both of y'all, what part of uh, race plays, what does a race play in the uh, kink community? Because I see um, through a lot of uh, articles that I've read, podcasters I listen to, uh, even in the media when kink is portrayed it is very whitewashed. So when you all do uh, go into the King community, how often do you see fellow black people or other people of color? There are dedicated spaces that are just like there are dedicated queer spaces. A lot of times there are um, dedicated parties that may be just for people of color. But um, a lot of times, it tends to be like very homogenous and um i think we touched on this a little bit that a lot of times when you go to kink events kink events can be extremely expensive Mm -hmm. um when you go to a typical play party a typical play party can cost 20 to 25 dollars yes so um like when miss pomegranate and i go to an event like if we just cover like tickets like tickets for both of us that's fifty dollars off the top for both of us to get in so if we if we grab like dinner and like if we you know grab a quick dinner like at panera or something like that before we go and eat then you add that on and you add the other cost of like supplies um safer sex supplies your supplies for playing your toy bags your clothing and all these other things, then you can very easily have an outlay of maybe a couple of hundred dollars and that's just for going to a typical party. Right, yeah. So um, a lot of times because of that, you will have communities that tend to be a little more segregated. It'll be a little more homogenous where it may tend to skewer more white, upper middle class, um, people to work in certain fields. There are a lot of people like in tech fields or like professional fields, doctors and lawyers and such. And it tends to be like this small little social cluster where you tend to play with people that you know, people that are kind of in your same social status, and it's not as diverse as it should be. 
Right. Right. Yeah, diversity matters. It does. <laughs> no matter yeah, what. I don't, you think are. The, the, I don't think the community does a good job, though, of also trying to um, reach out to or to, to be diverse. Um, mm-hmm. And part of that is the nature of, of kink, which is you know you want to keep sort of separate and, and secret and hidden. Um, and again, part of that is just, um, I guess, sort of obliviousness of, of, of white people, for lack of a better term. Um, so, you know, while you have those um, barriers to access, which may keep other people out, um, keep a more diverse group out, um, you also are not having the kind of outreach that you need as well. There are some people of color um, events, both in kink and leather, um, both in the gay scene, both in the gay men's scenes and the gay women's scene. But again, those groups are small. Um, they tend to be just, you know, a couple people. They're just simply not enough. Uh, and I don't know what the answer is to make it more diverse, but we can definitely see that diversity is an issue. Right. Yeah. I've always wondered about that. I've always wondered about oh, that. Oh, and that was an issue we, t- um, we touched on last year when we presented on diversity and BDSM. Mm-hmm. A lot of times, I think, when you're from a, a minority status, you have a certain fear when you enter into something that's on the fringe of society. Mm-hmm. because you tend to have a greater level of risk than another person that um, maybe is more in mainstream society doesn't have. Mm-hmm. Um, like the um, analogy that I always use, use um, when talking about it is, you know the expression where they say, if a white person sneezes, a black person catches pneumonia? <laughs> yeah. I think I think if something goes wrong or goes down in a kink space, white people may tend to be a little more protected than that black person. Right. Like uh, I've had instances where I've been doing knife play scenes, and um, you know, when you're doing knife play, you're holding a knife against a person's body, and you're running a knife across a person's body, and sometimes you're running it perhaps across their neck, across their chest, or something like that. And I'm like, wow. <laughs> if some, if, if some, you know, if police would walk in right now, how would they view this? Right. Mm. And I think, um, and you know, there's like social stigma a lot of times. There's um, a, um, like a societal societal stigma sometimes. Um, I live in a black neighborhood and nobody in my neighborhood actually knows what I do. Mm. Because there would be a certain stigma for um, if it were to be known. Right. Yeah. So I, I do have a question about what are some of the the misconceptions you think a lot of people have about the king community. Uh, I, I do feel like there's a lot, um, and and mostly a lot of misunderstanding due to silly things like um, there was a show called Red Shoe Diaries, or even now with the Fifty Shades of Grey. What do you think are some of the biggest misconceptions that people just have no idea about the community? Um, I think one of the biggest ones we we have is the the absolute emphasis that we play put on consent, which is problematic in the fifty grade uh, fifty shades trilogy. Mm-hmm. We absolutely um, 
preach consent, you know, whether it's uh, in the dungeon or it's in the classroom or whatever we're doing, it's all about making sure that you have an active, an active yes and, and that sort of thing. So people might be surprised about how diligent and vigilant we are mm-hmm. about making sure that we get into setting. I guess the image of a dom and a sub is that you just do to the sub whatever you want. That's not really how it works. The sub has to consent mm-hmm. to a certain amount of things that you can do, you know, for maybe a certain amount of time or, or whatever. Um, it's not just because you're a sub. Anything you want can happen to you. Hmm. And um, I think a lot of times when you look at the media, you kind of see a view, and it's a view of did, there's typically a man that's a dominant, yeah. a, a male that's a dominant, a female is a submissive. A lot of times, you really don't see you see um, you see straight couples engaged in okay, you have the male dominant, the female submissive, and he's doing certain things to that female submissive. But you don't see gay couples, you don't see lesbian couples, you don't see trans couples, you don't see queer couples. You don't see the full range of diversity um, that's actually in the king community because, like, if you really want the truth, a lot of what we consider, like, heterosexual BDSM now, it found its roots, it found its um, origin in leather community and in gay love and gay male leather. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, see, that's why I know some of the, the bars here, uh, one of the the bars that I feel most comfortable in is basically a bare leather bar. And I, I think they, they're both synonymous with each other, um, and they're actually, they're welcoming. Hmm. And I have witnessed um, a lot of that as, yeah, also in the bear bar in the Eagle here in Los Angeles, where they they do try a lot of different things and even i have been somewhat curious and and what does that feel like what is this you know just that experience to where um i've learned that the community is very um caring in a way if i can say like that i'm very caring about your experience and making sure that you feel safe and, and feel um you know welcomed in that space so i i, I feel as Ms. Pomegranate was saying, it is a very, um, like, sit is something that they do make sure that is very present and you are very aware while you are participating in those events. And um, a lot of times people will say that kinky people are actually, uh, they almost have like a fetish for learning. Mm -hmm. And a lot of what you do in BDSM, I don't think that's reflected in the media a lot of times. A lot of it has to do with learning, taking classes, practicing, understanding certain things. So, um, like I think, Victor, you were saying you have like you may have an interest in checking out something if you go to another bar. They, (coughs) pardon me, they have 101 nights where a lot of times in different establishments where you can go and try something out. Mm -hmm. So if you want to be tied, you can have a chance to get tied up and you're in a safe environment. You don't have to worry about your boundaries being crossed, but you can have a chance just to have that experience. Or if you want to be flogged or, you know, whatever skill you would want to experience, you have a chance to experience that. You also have a chance to learn about it. And you can say, okay, well, I, I maybe would like to have a little more of that. I maybe would like to incorporate that into a relationship or into a play date. Mm-hmm. Um, or some things you may say, 
um, I, you know, that's not for me. That's cool, but that isn't for me. Mm-hmm. Right. That was actually going to be my next question, as far as uh, if somebody wanted to uh, experience uh, some kind of kink, you know, what would be the next route as far as like an introduction into kink, where they they may may not be able to, you know, find that kind of kink community readily in their um, in their neighborhood or you know where they live. So yeah. That's a good good advice there. Yeah, and also a good way is to um, go to your local sex toy shop, not your local porn shop, which is a little different. Um, go to your <laughs> lo- local reputable sex shop that's selling the high-end sort of um, mm-hmm. vibrators and, and harnesses and whatnot. Um, go there, and then they will have information usually um, about the kink scene or how to get involved, and they might even host one-on-one nights. I know that we have... A shop here in Baltimore called Sugar that um, hosts, you know, all kinds of lectures and talks and um, kind of really, I don't want to say incorporates the kink scene, but certainly brushes the edges enough that if somebody wants to make that crossover, they can do so a little more easily. Hmm. Exactly. Yeah. And a lot yeah. of times, if you go to, um, like she, like Miss Pomegranate said, if you go to sex shops, it will tend to be a diverse environment and it's an accepting environment. So if you go and you're gay or you're um, trans, you're queer, whatever, you've got people that are willing to teach you and say, you know, come in here, you can learn this, or you can learn that. And you're not excluded because of who you are. That's great. At least if you go to a good space, you're not. If you go to a space and you feel like you're being excluded, Mm -hmm. turn around and run because that's not a cool space to be in. (laughs) (laughs) So, I when both of uh, I have a question for both of y'all. So, when you're not in the kink community, uh, Mr. Uh, Pomegranate, I know that you're a big geek. Uh, So. Mr. Black, I know you're, you're, I'm sorry, you're a big geek. Miss um, Pomegranate, are you uh, a big geek uh, kind of nerd as well? Yeah, I like to think of myself. I, I, you know, certainly Mr. Black, uh, you know, shows me up in, in that because he can certainly <laughs> talk comic books all day long. Um, or I'm more of like, you know, give me the Marvel movie verse or whatever. Um, but yeah, certainly and I work in IT, so I do um, uh, a lot of computer stuff as well. So yeah, I would, I would definitely say that. I will say this though, like some of the first emails that I ever exchanged with Miss Pomegranate, we actually talked about uh, John Constantine Hellblazer. Yes, which is one of my favorites. So yeah. yeah. Yes, it's funny that you mentioned that because I was just just looking at some of those the other day, which is really interesting. And the movie Constantine was on the other day too. It was it's kind of weird all this coming together, but. Which I really like. I really yeah, like that particular movie. I did too. I, I found that some people didn't like it, but I was like, no, I like the flow. I like the story. I like the way it's done. And Keanu Reeves, he can do anything to me. So, uh, <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> and I'll co-sign on that because I actually watched John Wick again, the original, the other day. So Yeah, I, I watched that. I watched the second one before I watched the first one, but it didn't matter. I still enjoy them both. Um, but yeah, it's something about Hellblazer, something about that particular, the comic and what I think about, um, taboos and things and what have you, it, it, it kind of, it, 
I, I can't really think of the word. It kind of excites you, or it it, it wakes it awakens the curiosity when it comes to different things. I can't remember the storyline, but there was something that kind of really flowed into that. Well, um, I think a lot of um, a lot of comic books they were subversive in a way where they kind of played with like themes of, with bondage. They mm. played with um, sex positivity, alternative mm. sexual lifestyles. Because I know um, John Constantine; he was like one of the early comic book characters mm-hmm. who was bisexual. Yes. And, um, like, some of my favorite characters were from the X-Men. Like, if you remember the Hellfire Club yes. from yeah. the X-Men, mm-hmm. that is basically, a like, it's almost, like, modeled after a high-scale or a high-end BDSM club. Yeah, yeah, it really and is. If you, and if you think about Emma Frost, mm-hmm. Emma Frost runs around in panties and a, a, a corset. Mm-hmm. And if you catch Miss Pomegranate on a really good night, she's running around in <laughs> panties and a corset. There you go, exactly. And, and looking and looking amazing. Mm-hmm. And you know, it's kind of like I saw somebody in a corset in a comic book before I actually saw it in real life. Right. You know, that's 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 true. That is really true because I remember when I started reading comic books, I was in high school, and I remember the first I got the Phoenix Saga because I was late. So I got the Phoenix Saga, the graphic novel in 1990, um, and and I remember just looking at that and thinking, wow, this this the imagery here, and this is what I've seen like on the sadly like the Skinamax, but kind of that type of stuff. I'm like, wait a minute, this is in comic books, and this was given to kids, and you know, Jean Grey, who was the Black Queen at that time, had a whip, and then when Celine took over, Celine was very sexual with who she was as the Black Queen, and. Um, yep. how she seduced people, seduced um, her minions, and she brought out the beast in them with her abilities, and I found that very attractive and, and very sexual, but yet very, you know, enduring. At the same time, with so many things I was getting from those characters, and you're right, you think about it, a lot of the comics kind of really played out those roles that kind of maybe, you know, got us into, you know, curious about kink and and. and BDSM and everything else. You think about the physique of or certain heroes, um, how the men would be, you know, dominating. How the women can be dominating in certain looks as well, and certain characters that they will play. Um, it's fascinating to think about how comics kind of, you know, maybe spark some interest in that community. It's like, um, like, and I know everybody's hating on Iron Fist right now, but like, here's how <laughs> long I, I've been a pervert. I can remember a comic book <laughs> where Iron Fist got knocked out. Mm-hmm. And this guy like tied him up, and the way he tied him up, it was very specific because his arms were parallel behind his back. Mm-hmm. There were cinches and wraps like around his arms, and his his thighs and his ankles were all tied together. Mm-hmm. And it's and he was suspended. He was hung from a rafter in in um in this old warehouse. And it's like years later, I can go back and think and say, well, well he was basically tied up and suspended. <laughs> wow yeah it's like once you think about it you there's a lot of underlying kinky uh things that were happening in comics that like now they're like they're blowing my mind 
Like I think about how Wonder Woman in the begin, like back in the days, there was many covers that had her in certain bondage positions that were very noted about that. Um, Robin in the early Teen Titans, um, the way he was always tied, because in his original outfit was very interesting, um, but how yeah. he was tied in certain parts, especially in the the when they fought um, brother brother blood, um, there was like several poses he was in. I was like, that's kind of interesting and 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 kind of arousing at the same time so are you talking about yeah, the, the um oh, wonder woman was probably the most famous one that's right i think wonder woman was probably the most the most famous one yes because the author was quite kinky and mm. lived with two women it was a polyamorous relationship so mm. um just like the gateway to yeah. all that is forbidden she yeah. was tied on a table tied on a bomb which was interesting yep. to look at now. Like she was tied on a bomb and the messages that sends. <laughs> but yeah, I remember so many of that. And again, how Robin was depicted. Um, or again, how Wolverine was kind of used too, how he was strung out on something, or maybe how he was bound in something as well. Yeah, I actually remember. Are you referencing the. Um, you talked about Brother Blood. Are you talking about the, around the time of like the dude. The Judas Contract storyline. Yes, yes, that's when. Yes, because that was when they had him. He was undercover, and he got caught, um, and they had him in something. And and I know, I think um, they were shooting him with some beam or something like that. But he was strung out on that. Um, and well, I, rem- I, re- I remember, like in the Judas Contract storyline, like when he switched from being Robin to Nightwing. Mm-hmm. Well, first off, he had like this skin tight outfit on. And he had a, like a disco collar, so his chest was out. Because yeah. this was 1984. And he got captured. And when he got captured, he was like actually chained to a uh, pole. And the pole, like his arms were behind his back, like his mm-hmm. arms were pulled up. And he had like a collar around his neck, chaining him completely to this post. Yeah. Yeah. My my whole like childhood was like comic books and like weird images that got me to where I am now basically. But um, <laughs> <laughs> and it's like these little it's like these little almost trigger things that you you kind of like you you mentioned mm-hmm. that it kind of helped us to be kinky. Yeah, and I think another one that really got me um, was um, Flash Gordon the movie because there were. Especially when they when he was first captured and had this this uh, mask on him that was full of spikes, but the way they had him uh-huh. they had him captured, it was very like what's going on. And I remember my my young lustful feelings as a I don't know eight years old who who knows was just going all over the place like what's why am I you know liking the fact that he's captured in this basement like like you know like why am I caught up in that. And I still enjoy that. So it's interesting how, you know, some of the geeky and sci-fi things, you know, um, there's a movie called Ice Pirates that was very subjective and, and so many of those things. But when you think about, certain, you know, certain things we grew up with as kids, it was very, there was a lot of interesting messages in that, which is fascinating to think about now. And there's definitely like a link with um, people being kinky and like drawing like those images of kink and mm-hmm. also like deriving it from like science fiction and like all of these science fiction ideas mm-hmm. and stuff. People definitely will draw it and pull it over to um, incorporate it into their kink life, even like into their names, to their different fetishes and such. Yeah. Um, 
there are even like like um science fiction themed parties or future themed parties and even if you look at um if you go to a party and people a lot of people are wearing um like latex it has a very sleek futuristic look to it yeah And then it can actually even go the other way where people will t- tie in like historical things. So uh, people may like play with certain periods and uh, play with themes from different periods and um, of times past and stuff. So. Hmm. Wow. But it is. Sounds very interesting. It is. <laughs> but it's, it's absolutely a rich history. Exactly. I remember, um, like, and even in the movies, like, uh, like Batman Returns, how they portrayed Catwoman and Species, the the main character, how erotic that was in a a kinkish sort of way, like having sex with something that is not of this world, uh, which is an age old type. Uh, storyline that they always play out in sci-fi have you ever seen the movie life force it came out in 1985 yes and i think that was another thing that messed me up when i was 10 years old but that, (laughs) that was something yeah i remember watching that and i was like oh my goodness i'm so involved with these aliens it was like three of them and they were like psychic vampires in some way but they, the way they seduced their victims, I think they, it didn't matter if they were male or female, the way they did it was kind of like, oh my goodness. <laughs> yeah, and it was like this one lady that was like one of the psychic vampires, and she mm. was nude for like half of the movie. And yeah. it was like her just like walking across like the UK, just like sucking the, the life force out, literally the life force out of all these people. Yeah. I'll have to catch that movie. <laughs> It might be. Patrick Stewart was actually in it when he um, it, it came out like thirty some years ago. He was actually in it. He yeah. got killed in it too. Yeah, that was the um, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm gonna post that on Twitter. <laughs> Just the movie. Exactly. So, uh, where can uh, people go if they want to find information about you online? Um. Well, they can check us out at uh, theblackpomegranate.com. That's our blog and uh, our website. We give um, sex education advice and uh, information. We do some product reviews. Um, But um, we have a lot of writing content. We have tutorials on there for bondage. And um, we do some posts about different skill sets and such. Um, Our most two recent posts are about preparing to go to a kinky convention and then how you recover after a kinky convention so we have a lot of material there um we're active on twitter um you can always um check us out at uh black at black pomegranate blk pomegranate and um we're on um we're on facebook and we're on tumblr as well all right Awesome. And if you travel and you come to an event, you can catch us teach because we um, we have regular engagements where we go to uh, different conventions and such, and we present um, different kink skills and um, teach different classes. That's awesome. All true. Mm-hmm. All right. <laughs> <laughs> 
All right. Well, thank y'all so much for joining us today because I just feel like, you know, this is something that people think about or maybe want to know more about. We only scratched the surface today. This is like we didn't didn't really get into the deepness, but I hope that this has made some people more curious to, you know, check it out for themselves and check out y'all website and, you know, really kind of tap in some of those, you know, feelings and desires that they have. Absolutely. The biggest thing is um, always, always have informed consent, mm-hmm. play safe, and um, take your time and go slow. I, that's that's kind of like a um, like a patent thing to say, go slow. But um, if you go slow, you take your time, you learn, you practice consent, then the play opportunities will be there and they'll come to you. All right. And yes, <laughs> and have fun. Very true. (laughs) Yeah, but we got to get into this more because y'all are coming through Baltimore next year. So um, Universal FanCon, we didn't even touch on that. (laughs) You know, we got to. Yeah, we do have to link up uh, when we for Universal FanCon, which we are affiliates of. And you can Mm -hmm. find more information online at UniversalFanCon.com or follow them on Twitter at UniversalFanCon. Uh, let's see. You can follow Magazine Pod and Magazine both on Twitter. You can like, rate, subscribe our podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, and Stitcher. Uh, anything else before we get out of here, Victor? No, I'm I'm now curious now. I'm gonna be looking up all those pictures from comics and probably posting those just to show people what we mean, what those triggers. But well, I'm glad we had this conversation because now I'm I'm thinking about stuff which. That's okay. <laughs> well, the only thing, when we say triggers, we mean good triggers. Good triggers. We say triggers uh, yeah, in, me... in a BDSM world. That's right. A trigger can also be something that is a, is a going to be traumatic or going to be troubling to somebody. So I maybe not maybe not to say triggers, but more mm. like inspirations, like the, the cool things that inspired us to get into kink yeah. versus triggers. Yeah. Yeah, I'll re- yeah. Let me rephrase that. The inspiring or you know stuff that it, it's really making me more curious now as I think about that. But yeah, I'll rephrase that. Exactly. Me just well, when it comes to me, just making me kind of like this horny little pervert dude. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right. All right. This was wonderful. Oh, well, thank you. Yeah, it was. And we might have to thank bring y'all back. No problem. We have to probably bring y'all back to get more, more conversations going about this because I think it's important to talk about it. So thank y'all again for coming on. And, you know, everybody, we will see y'all next week. Take care, you all. Take care. Thank you again. Bye-bye.